Um, so we've been talking about increase, and uh, next week I'm going to talk about increasing in love. Which it's an interesting thing. It's 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 both uh, shocking and even sad. The number of people that I have encountered over the course of 40 years of ministry, the number of people that I have encountered who have been wounded uh, by the church and who have been, uh, who as leaders in church, pastors, um, you know, staff people, small group leaders, worship leaders, whatever, as leaders in the church have been wounded by people in the church. It's just, it's, it's crazy. It really, it's really crazy. Um, because Jesus says clearly to his people, expect trouble in this life. And expect to be persecuted. And expect even to be hated. But he's talking about from outside. From the world. And, and the thing that he said about the church is that the people outside will know that you're mine by the way you love each other. And so there's something askew here uh, for all of the hurt and the confusion and the um, criticism that takes place within the body. Uh, we're missing something. And so we want to push in a little bit next week into uh, increasing in love. And so as we prepare for that, uh, today we're going to talk about increasing in prayer. So why don't we why don't we pray and then we'll talk about that. <clears throat> Lord, we pray that uh, today you would teach us how to pray. That you would teach us more about what it means to pray. To be men and women of prayer. We don't want to just be people who pray. We want to be people of prayer. And so I pray that you would impart something to us today. That you would stir something in us. To make us more like you. We need to increase in this area, Lord. We know it. We know we do. We ask you to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So the, the, the first question that, that you might ask is, well, why do we need to increase in prayer? Uh, why is that important? And I, I would say that it's important because prayer is the most important aspect of your relationship to God. Prayer is the most important aspect of your relationship with God. And, here, and here's why I say that. Ask any expert, any, any marriage expert, any, any out there? Raise your hand if you're, you're a marriage ex, ex, Okay. Ask any marriage expert, and they will tell you that the key to marriage, the most important aspect of marriage, is communication. Now, basically, there are three things that, that uh, they say, marriage experts say every couple fights about. And those three things are sex, money, and communication. And the truth is, sex and money are communication issues. 
And so communication is the big thing. And, and if you get the communication piece right, you are way down the road towards having a, a healthy, thriving relationship. And our relationship with, with Jesus is a marriage. Uh, he has called us to be his bride. And so the most important aspect of our relationship with him is the same thing, this communication piece. So prayer, our, our prayer life will uh, promote spiritual growth and intimacy for us. As we learn how to pray, as we spend more time in prayer, as prayer becomes more natural to us, as prayer becomes for us more like breathing than hyperventilating, we will grow. In intimacy and relationship and spiritual growth, we will increase in the, in the Lord. Uh, prayer brings power into our lives. Honestly, uh, just just read the Bible and you'll you'll see it's it's clear. God wants to pour power through you to change uh, the world that you live in, and prayer is the way that God brings that increase. Uh, you know what else is important about prayer? How many of you believe that you actually came to the Lord without prayer? Yeah, take it a step further. How many of you believe that you came to the Lord without someone else praying? I'm going to tell you right now, it didn't happen. Every person in this room, and in fact, every person in the world who has come to the Lord, someone else's prayers were involved in that. And so if we want to see others come to Jesus, we need to increase in prayer. Now, if you want evidence uh, of the importance of the prayer life, just look at the life of Jesus. You don't have to look any further than looking at the life of Jesus. In Mark 1, 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place, and prayed. Luke 6, 12 and 13 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Luke 9, 18. Once when Jesus was praying in private, his disciples were with him and they asked him, and he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? Luke chapter 9, verse 28 says, About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter and James and John with him and went up on a mountain to pray. Luke 11, 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. It's obvious. Those are just a few, just a handful of scriptures. There are more. It is obvious as you read through the pages of the New Testament that Jesus was a man of prayer. He took every opportunity that he could to go to quiet places and pray. He loved to steal away and be with his father. He loved it. He seemed to need it. He seemed to thrive on it. And he made sure that he had time. There were times when crowds of people would come looking for him and pressing upon him. And the disciples would come and say, you know, Lord, they're looking for you. They want you. Everyone wants to know where you are. And sometimes Jesus would go and minister to those people. But other times Jesus would say, let's, let's go somewhere else. And they would just go away and they would pray. 
Because, now hear me on this, his time with his father was more important to him than anything. But what it did was, it made his time with the people the best that it could be. His time with the Father enhanced and increased his time with the people. He wanted prayer for fellowship. He wanted it. He wanted to be with his Father for fellowship. He wanted to have Communion with his father. But make no mistake, he was refreshed by it as well. Because he took on the form of man, because he became human, he got tired just like you do. He got exhausted just like we do. And the way that he was refreshed and restored for the task that God had set before him was communion with the father, to be in the father's presence and to pray. The impression that his prayer life made on the disciples caused them to ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't ask him anything else. They didn't, they didn't ask him, teach us how to tell those crazy parables that are so cool. He, they didn't say, teach us how to tell those parables. They didn't say, uh, teach us how to heal the sick, even though he did teach them how to heal the sick. They didn't really ask him that. They didn't ask him, teach us how to preach. They said one thing, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. That was the thing when they looked at his life, the thing that was most intriguing to them, most compelling to them, was the way that he prayed and the amount of time that he gave to it. So developing a life of prayer, it may not be the easiest aspect of your Christian life, but it is without a doubt the most important. It is without a doubt the most important. In 1727, Moravians in Germany uh, began a 24-hour-a-day, round-the-clock time of prayer. There were 24 men and 24 women. And the way it worked is that a man and a woman each, they took an hour a day. And when they finished their hour, somebody else would step in and take the next hour and the next hour and the next hour. And so it was like a, uh, a, a track meet where you hand the baton to the next guy. And they prayed around the clock, 24 hours a day. They had a man and a woman praying each hour of the day, 24 hours a day. If somebody died, then there was somebody else already waiting in the wings to step into their spot uh, and take their place. And so for 24 hours a day, a man and a woman praying around the clock, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, for 100 years. Unbroken. Shortly after uh, this prayer time began, John Wesley was converted. Uh, He had an encounter with the Moravians, these same people. It changed him forever. And he was converted, and the Methodist revival began. Also around that time, the Great Awakening was born under the preaching of Jonathan Edwards. When people pray, things happen. That 
don't happen when we don't pray. And so the question then becomes, what if? What if? What if we really took seriously the call of Jesus to pray? Jesus said, my father's house is to be a house of prayer. That prayer would be the priority. That prayer would be the first thing. That prayer would be the thing that everything else is born out of. You know, it's been fairly typical over the last hundred years of church that the, the least attended meeting of the week is the prayer meeting. And yet Jesus said, my house is to be a house of prayer. So what if we took it seriously? What would happen if we really took seriously God's call to be a house of prayer? William Sangster once said, when we get to heaven and see what prayer has done, we will wish we had prayed more. When we get to heaven and see what prayer has done, we will wish we had prayed more. Now, why don't, why do we not pray? Why do we not pray? There, there are obstacles to prayer. Obviously, the devil doesn't want us to pray. Uh, James 4.3 says that uh, sometimes we have bad motives. And bad motives can, can be a block to prayer. James 4.3 says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And so if we're asking for the wrong motives, that can short-circuit our prayer life and, and we won't get out of it what we want and we'll just stop. Another obstacle to praying is sin. Isaiah 59, 1, 1 and 2 says, Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. And so if we're walking in sin and we're refusing to repent, we just want to hold on to our sin and live in sin, but we want to have our cake and eat it too. We want to live in sin, but still have God there kind of if we need him. That will short circuit your prayer life and it won't be effective. Idols, Ezekiel 14.3 says, Son of man, these men have set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? God's just saying, why, why should I listen? They're worshiping other gods. Here's an interesting thing, Proverbs 21.13. Uh, an obstacle to prayer is ignoring the poor. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. Oh, you wish you hadn't said that. Mark eleven twenty five, unforgiveness is a hindrance to prayer. Mark eleven twenty five says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. There's a relationship, apparently, between the way God forgives us and how we forgive others. And then, of course, unbelief. James 1, 5 through 7 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. 
Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Sounds kind of harsh. I'm, I'm afraid that if you read the Bible, you'll find that there are a lot of things that sound kind of harsh. But they're just true. And, you know, you don't have to incur the wrath of God. You can choose to. But he wants so desperately to partner with you. He wants so desperately to give to you. He wants so desperately to pour into your life. But there are things that that we need to do. There are conditions that have to be met. Another thing I think that kind of slows us down and hinders us when it comes to uh, praying is uh, we, we have these ideas in our mind of what prayer is supposed to be like. We think we're supposed to be eloquent. You know, we hear somebody pray and they're so impressive. And we just go, well, shoot, I can't do that. So I just won't do anything. We think that we have to have the right words. We have to be able to stream them together. And and it would help if you had an accent. (laughs) Right? No, that's only for preaching. Now, there's, there are a lot of types of prayer, a lot of, a lot of different things when it comes to prayer. There's, there's prayer, there's conversation, there's, there's listening prayer, there's intercession, that's both, there's both private intercession, corporate intercession, there's petition, there's warfare, there's healing power, uh, healing prayer, there's deliverance prayer. And, and through the course of this year, we'll circle around and we'll try to touch on as many of these different things as we can. But, but what I want to do today is just take a few minutes uh, to talk about personal prayer. Just, just some, maybe some encouraging things to help you develop uh, a life of prayer. Just your personal prayer life for you. Uh, in your secret place, in your closet or in your basement or on your back porch, wherever it is that you go. To pray, uh, some things that maybe will help you. Uh, when the disciples asked Jesus in Luke 11 to teach them how to pray, he gave them a really simple model to follow. And it's one that, that you and I can follow and that would be very helpful. And this is what he said to them. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins or forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me just walk through that and just mention four things. Uh, If you want to pray, because what Jesus is saying actually He doesn't say, pray this prayer. He says, pray like this. And so what he's giving us is a model. These are some things. If you look at this prayer that he gives to the disciples, it includes things, all of the things, really, that need to be a part of our prayer life. If we want to develop uh, a life-giving, effective, powerful life of prayer. Here here they are. Number one is, he says, uh, our Father... Hallowed be thy name. And really, if you want to just put that in in modern day simple language, God, you are amazing. 
And so I would say if you, if you want to really increase in your prayer life, start with understanding, trying to understand and recognize who God is and what he's like. I promise you, as you get into the word and you read the descriptions in, in, in scripture of God, of what he's like and, and how he loves and, and his holiness and his majesty and, and just, you know, his, his otherness, I promise you, as he begins to give you through scripture a clearer picture of what he's like, this first part of prayer will become very easy for you. Because this first part of prayer is simply, oh, wow. Wow, God, you are amazing. You are incredible. You are wonderful. I had no idea. You're so much better than I thought. You're so much greater. Your love is so much deeper than I thought. I I had no idea. This is absolutely amazing. Now, hear hear me here. Let me let me just get up on my little soapbox. One one of the things I and I I I believe that God wants us to to be intimate with Him. I don't believe that He wants us to be familiar. We think, we think that if Jesus were to walk into this room right now, we would run up to him with all of our questions. The truth is, if he were to walk into this room right now, we would pee on the floor, on our faces, in absolute awe of how incredible, how holy how unapproachable he is until he leans down and says, you can get up and come. You can get up and come closer. You are amazing. You are unbelievable. And you are my father. Our father. Second, he says, I need you. I can't live without you. I need you and I can't live without you. Jesus says, pray, uh, give us this day our daily bread. And and basically what he's saying is that uh, just let the Lord know that you know that you're absolutely dependent on him. That you need him. And, And I think he's saying in there also, don't worry about the future and forget about the past. Trust God for today. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today. We, Lord, we trust you. We believe you. Our faith is in you for today. I'm not going to worry about. I'm not saying don't prepare for the future. I'm saying don't worry about the future. Don't be anxious. How much time do we waste worrying about things that never happen. And you're saying, well, that's why they didn't happen. I worried about them. That, <laughs> that is not true. We waste time worrying about things. Pray. 
Put your faith in God. Put your trust in Him. God, you're amazing. I need you. I can't live without you. Give me today what I need. Today. I trust you with tomorrow. Use me today. Use me today. I will trust you for today and not worry about tomorrow. Third thing. I'm sorry I mess up. Please forgive me. I'm sorry that I mess up. Please forgive me. And I forgive those who mess up against me. Bless them. I used to when I was a kid. I I was worried that I was going to go to hell because I might forget a sin that I had committed. You know how you, at night you have to list every sin and make sure that you're forgiven before you go to sleep. And I really worried that. What if I what if I do something wrong and I forget to confess it? No. That's not how it works. You don't have now, if God convicts you of something, it's, you know, confess it, repent. If God, can, especially if God convicts you of something that you've done to someone else, go to them and confess it and repent so that you can receive forgiveness from them. But the truth of the matter is, God is concerned with the condition of our heart. If my heart is repentant and I say to the Lord, God, forgive me. If I, if I have missed the mark, forgive me. Things that I know I did, things that I don't know that I did, things that I did that were wrong, things that I didn't do that I should have done, forgive me. God knows your heart, and if your heart is repentant, he's not going to withhold forgiveness because you listed 17 sins at the end of the day and you actually had 18. That day. It's not how it works. I'm sorry I mess up. I'm not saying just be casual and just don't even think about what you do and just know that at the end of the day you can just cash that forgiveness check. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't be so tense and nervous and stressed out that you might forget something. Just come before the Lord. God, I know. I I miss the mark. I mess up. I'm sorry. I want to do better. Help me. Forgive me. And and God, I don't want to be critical and judgmental towards those that that mess up against me. I really don't. I, I want to love them. I want to forgive them the way you forgive me. So God, would you just help me with that? Help me to be better. Help me to better to be better to have a better attitude when when people do things that hurt my feelings or. When people treat me badly, Lord, I I don't want to seek revenge. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be mad. I, I want to forgive. So help me. I'm sorry I mess up. Please forgive me. And I choose to forgive those who mess up against me. And then the last thing he says is, help me to be like you. 
help me to move away from sin and toward holiness. He says, deliver us from the evil one. He says, let heaven come to earth. We, we want your will to be done on earth like it is in heaven. You know what he's saying there, right? What he's saying is you need to ask the Lord to let his will be done in you. Sometimes when I read that and sometimes even when I pray that, I've got everybody else in mind. You know, God, if heaven would just come to earth and make everybody else behave. But what God is saying is invite heaven to have its way in you. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, let your will be done in me. Let heaven come in me. God, you're amazing. I need you. I can't live without you. I'm sorry I mess up. Please forgive me. I forgive those who mess up against me. Help me to be like you. Don't make it harder than it is. Look at the Lord's Prayer. Break it down. And just pray through it every day. And as you begin to do that, I promise you, God will begin to grow in you a passion for prayer. A desire to be with Him. To have communion with Him. And you'll find more and more that it's not so much the words that you say. It's the person that you're with. Okay? Y'all good with that? You just come up here because you want to sit on the front row? Or you got something you want to say? Come on. We got a mic. This is Gray Dempsey. Former elder, but what I hear is once an elder, always an elder. (laughs) Once a pastor, always a pastor. Maybe. Um, As Tom was speaking, I have told him this before, so I thought this was a really good opportunity to share with you all the picture that he has shown me and a bunch of guys. We've been on a pilgrimage for about the last 17 years, and uh, prayer is part of what we do, but prayer is the, the big part of what Tom does every morning, and uh, it bugs me to no end because he gets up long before the rest of us, and he makes his coffee, and the coffee maker is right beside my bed. So that bugs me. We finally figured out a system to make the coffee the the night before and just press the button the morning of. So, But it is a beautiful picture because I know that he is going to lead in prayer and lead by example. And uh, he'll take that cup of coffee and he'll grab that Bible and he will go out on the front porch and he'll sit in his rocking chair and I can just see him rocking and praying and guarding over us, me, himself, his family. And thank you for showing me that picture. And since everybody doesn't have the opportunity to do that, I wanted to give you all that picture 
of who he is and what he does. I love you. Here's the thing, it, it, and it doesn't matter where you are. You know, you may be advanced, you may be a prayer warrior, you know, you may be one of these people that you've been leading the charge for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, uh, or more. You can still grow in your prayer life. It, it may be that you're just getting started. It may be that you've just been intimidated. By this whole idea of prayer, because you've seen these people, you've seen people that you know. I could name names. I look around this room and I, I see people who are so mighty in prayer. Maybe you look at them and you go, "Oh boy, I, I could never do that." And so you, you haven't even really tried. And I just want to say that no matter where you are, you can start today to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, and in a life of prayer, it will change your world. It will change your world. Prayer is the mightiest force in the universe. And it's, it's the most untapped power source in the universe. So make the choice today. God, if you'll help me, I will become a person of prayer. I heard Ravi Zacharias say years and years ago, he said, you can be a Christian without being a, a person of prayer, but you'll have to carry your faith. If you become a person of prayer, your faith will carry you. It's a big difference. Big difference. I don't stand. I want to invite our teams to come and get in place and we met this morning. We meet in, in here and pray before the service. And we just have a, a, a fun time. I wish it could last longer. Y'all can come earlier if you want to. I'll be, I'll be here. <laughs> but we have a good time of praying. We just pray for 15, 20 minutes before the service. And, uh, and we, we take some time at the end of that time to pray for these teams. And, and we pray specifically today that God would put in them something for, for you. We, we believe uh, that God likes to impart things through his people. And, uh, and so I encourage you today, especially if this is something that you want to grow in, if, if you want to ask the Lord, give me the grace to grow and increase in this area of prayer, I would encourage you to come to one of these teams and let them pray for you. I am confident that God will impart through them uh, his spirit and his grace to help you. In this regard, okay? Holy Spirit, we, we love the way you work. We love the way you move. We need you so, so deeply. And we invite you to come. Have your way here today. Lord, we, we want to be a house of prayer. We do. We can't be that unless you make us that. Would you help us? In Jesus' name.